0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Talking Comics Podcast It's November 26th, 2019, otherwise known as New Comic Book Day And you're listening to episode number 418 I am your host Steve Say and joining me as always is Mr. Bob Ryer, Sarah, 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 Sarah Sarah Miles is also here
2: Hi, I'm going to be a pedant and say it's November 27th because it's my brother's birthday. Happy birthday, bro. I know you don't listen, but I'm going to say it anyway. I didn't know that you had a brother. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. What's his name? Which is probably why he doesn't listen to the show. His name's Graham um, and he's my big brother. Oh. And when we were very young, he told me that shredded wheat, which is a breakfast cereal, was made out of crushed up crane flies legs. So, wow. yay, older what? brothers. Like crane flies. Do you have crane flies?
1: Yeah. I don't, what? what? Big, like, long leggedy nasty-looking. It's like a
2: daddy fly. long legs, but with wings.
1: Yeah. Oh!
2: Yeah, so when I was a kid, he told me that's what this cereal was made out of, so that I wouldn't eat it, so that he could have more. (laughs) Because older brothers are the best.
0: They are indeed. I wouldn't know, but I'll trust you (laughs) on this. And I'm never eating shredded wheat again. Right? That's a terrible thing to tell somebody.
2: (laughs) I've literally never eaten it since then. (laughs) Oh boy. <laughs> Even though I know it's not true, I just can't do it. <laughs>
0: uh, anyway, hello everybody. This is a comic book podcast, indeed. Uh, it is just the three of us this week because times are busy, especially this time of year. What with school and family plans and holidays coming up. And speaking of things coming up, guess what's coming up in two weeks from now? Bum bum bum. <laughs> Our Talking Comics Awards Deliberations! We are getting together, I believe it is, on December 8th on a Sunday. And we are going to podcast until the break of dawn while talking about lots of our favorite books from throughout the year. And uh, arguing and, uh, and discussing vigorously about what we think should and should not make the final list, which we will then ponder for a few weeks, and then we will come back and we will cast our votes and crown our winners. That's how we've done it in years past. That's how we will do it again. Uh, I think all the categories are pretty much the same
1: this year. Yeah. Yes. And And always, we have listener polls once we get to that point. So you guys have to make your own choices and your own deliberations.
2: Yeah. As long as you choose my books.
0: (laughs) Everybody will be making their case i think that we'll we'll agree on on much of them but i have a feeling that there are going to be a couple of curveballs i know that i've got a book or two that i think that everybody's forgotten about that came out earlier in the year and i might be the only one that read
1: it and it was Ooh. damn good so we'll see Don don don. if you're the only one who read it that is probably likely so yes. you'll have to get us back on track
0: yes Of course, on this episode, we also have... I don't know that we're going to do lightning rounds this week. I think we're just going to play it loose and just talk about a lot of the stuff that we've been reading lately, give a couple reviews of things. And uh, since we have Sarah back on the show, I think that we should... uh, Yeah, hi. We should catch up with you for a little bit. What do you... (laughs) What do you want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about Thought Bubble or a little book that you and Jess happen to pop up in the back of?
2: Oh, let's go with that one. Um, Because in theory, chronologically, that one happened first. So as um, many listeners will probably know, Jess and I cosplayed at New York Comic-Con this year as Charlie and Vita from Crowded. And we were very, very happy to have the chance to meet Chris Sabella while we were there we shot the shit with him we took some pictures we had a bit of a laugh he was amazed at how well the two of us were in character because genuinely it was like herding a cat all day <laughs> jess was just so much like charlie she was just putting things down and wandering off and getting it and I, the whole time i was like just just come back just come back here don't move don't touch anything okay um and he absolutely loved it and um i had a message from him a few weeks afterwards saying um would it be possible for him to use one of our pictures that we'd put up on social media? And we were like, yeah, sure, go ahead, go for it. And then Crowded Number 10 came out this week and there's not one but two pictures of Jess and I in our cosplay and a lovely little... um caption about the Ladies of Our Halla podcast and the fact that Ted and Rowe have been guests on it um, and the fact that it was like having his characters in front of him um, which was really really lovely of him and was lovely to see and of course I went running straight down to my comic book shop and was like it's me I'm in a book look at me <laughs> um, <laughs> which it was just it was really nice of him to, to say lovely things about us bringing yeah. his characters to life because you know, we absolutely love that book. And I talk about Crowded quite often and I will mention it again later. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yeah, it was just super nice to to sort of have our, our play kind of picked up like that and appreciated by the creators. So yeah, for sure. yeah, that was really nice.
0: And a nice boon for the podcast. It was like a half page ad <laughs> that you didn't have to pay for. You
2: <laughs> Contact like info, yes. It, it was pretty impressive. There was like social media tags. There was a link to the website in there. And I was like, okay, okay. Thank you very much. Not going to complain about that one.
0: <laughs> Just in time for the launching of the site, the Patreon, all that good stuff. Oh,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all happening.
0: <laughs> all right. Uh, we'll probably be talking a, a little bit more about that stuff as we get into your Thought Bubble adventures. Why don't you uh, take us through your weekend? How was your ride? How was your how was Your, 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 your work? Yeah, you weren't murdered, which is good. Yeah, I explain really murdered. quick, again, how you wound up getting to Thought Bubble. Go from there.
2: So I spent most of this year thinking that I could not go to Thought Bubble because it was the same weekend that my friend was getting married. I had the realization two weeks before Thought Bubble that it wasn't the same weekend, it was the weekend before. Um, and then I sort of looked at my finances because obviously i just started a new job um, and I wasn't getting it paid for a very long time. And I thought, right, I can either get to the convention or i can stay at the convention because it's a two-day one and it's like a six hour drive from where i live it's in a place called harrogate um up north from me uh, <laughs> everything is up north from me if i go any further south i'm in the sea um <laughs> so i put an appeal out on social media basically saying help is anybody driving up there does anybody need a lift up there can we kind of work something out and then separately a chap called john who lives Um, near a place called andover which is about an hour's drive northwest of me he put up a picture of his route and he said i'm driving to thought bubble does anyone need a lift so matt garvey whose book i spoke about a few weeks ago um he kind of put us in touch with each other and he's like look sarah needs a lift john's giving a lift why don't you two work something out um so we we kind of started chatting on twitter and then he very politely put don't worry i'm not a murderer (laughs) and i was like do you know that's just? It's really the sort of thing a murderer would say. It really is. And then it it really is. And then some other people kind of chimed in, and somebody that he'd given a lift home from Thought Bubble last year coincidentally also called Sarah. Sarah Harris. She was oh, like, no. "He's." She was like, "He's not a murderer," but there was a roll of duct tape, like just in the footwell of my of the car. <laughs> was a little bit creepy um so yeah I drove to John's house John very kindly drove us both up to Harrogate um and honestly it was just the most fun I've had on a car journey in a long time he brought some like um audiobooks and stuff and we did not listen to a word of it because it turned out that we have this shared love of Terry Pratchett we both like the same kind of books we knew some of the same people um absolutely brilliant journey up there and of course as soon as we got there we went to matt garvey's table and we we're like hey hey, we're not dead we're getting <laughs> married and he just, he was like what and we we're like yeah we really hit it off on the way up we're gonna get married and he was like what <laughs> and I was like oh my god dude we're joking <laughs> it was the look on his face though it was amazing um but thought bubble itself was absolutely awesome um i had a lovely lovely long chat with paul cornell who very kindly re-signed my Batman Knight and Squire because I had it signed by him many moons ago, but he signed it to Ted and Sarah. And obviously anybody who knows me knows that I'm no longer married to Ted. So he went to the next page of the book and re-signed it just for me. Oh, did he cross (laughs) out Ted's name? (laughs) No, he just did a whole new signing on a whole new page. I'm like cross
0: it out, put a sad face next to it.
2: Um, But he was super lovely and he said some very nice things about the show, which was nice of him. Um, I had a chat with John Allison um, and told him that we're looking at the whole of Giant Days for Ladies of Valhalla. And he was like, wow, you must be mad. I was like, yes, now that you've come to mention it. Um, Met loads of really lovely indie creators. Um, Might have gone a little bit over my budget.
0: How much is a little?
2: So... I had a set budget that I took in cash. I had some, um, I did some pre-convention commissions that I that I booked in. And I was like, right, that's the amount of money I need for those. And then I knew that Christian Ward was doing on-the-day commissions. And I knew how much they cost. So I had the money for that. And then I saw Ted Brandon Rowe Stein, who do the art on Crowded, who did the art with Jeremy Whitley on Princeless, and who did some of the art for the first volume of Unstoppable Wasp. And they had some of their original Marvel pages, which included a double page spread from issue nine of the first volume of Unstoppable Wasp, which is the two pages where the cars pull up to Janet Van Dyne's building and all of the Agents of Girl get out of it. And then the final panel is a shot of all the Agents of Girl standing together, hugging. Nice. And so I kind of got the credit card out at that point oh yeah and it that, was it was, it. <laughs> it was just downhill from there <laughs> um i bought a really big pile of books um i actually so i kind of went around on my own for a bit bumped into some people that i knew went around with them for a bit and on the sunday um i'd john and i had agreed we would meet up put our stuff in the car first thing in the morning go to the convention and then when we came back we'd meet up again sort of at the end of the day so i bumped into him at about midday and he looked at the pile of books i was carrying and he went jump to go and put those in the car for you i was like do you mind it's a bit heavy this he went yeah that doesn't mean you that you should buy any more books though and <laughs> i was like oh no i won't yeah. i did <laughs> um so i got um I got some lovely books from um, Avery Hill Publishing. I got Tilly Warden's On a Sunbeam. Oh, uh, yes. I, yes. I haven't do- jumped into that yet because it's huge. I got Follow Me In by Catriona Chapman, Artificial Flowers from Rachel Smith. I got three books by B. Muir, which are, just look absolutely beautiful. Um, I picked up my copies of Emma Vicelli's Breaks, Volume 1 and 2, which I'd ordered on the Kickstarter. Um I got some lovely books from, I want to say that they're called Unbound. Yeah, I got some lovely books from Unbound. One called Barking by Lucy Sullivan. Life Drawing a Life Under Lights by Jessica Martin, who's an actress. She was in Doctor Who. um, And an absolutely stunning looking book called The Carpet Merchant of Constantinia by Raymond Yee, Mm. um, who did the most beautiful sketch in the front of it. Um, I picked up a book called Inhibit, by a creator called eve greenwood they were absolutely lovely um and they were on a panel that i went to which was superb i picked up a book that i'm about halfway through called for the love of god marie by jade sarson which i will be talking about on a future show because all my life this book is amazing um i got a book called sensible footwear a girl's guide which was explained to me as a guide to queer history told through footwear and music. And I was like, well, just take my money then. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, I got some amazing, amazing commissions from people. Um, I managed to get my Christian Ward original watercolor. Oh my God. Um, which. I will put a picture up on social media because I gave him a choice of characters to do. I always do that. If ever I commission an artist, I give them like two or three to choose from and say, do whatever you think suits your style best. Um, and he's done me a captain Marvel. Wow. Wow. Nice. And She's amazing. She's going all Nova. Um, there is, there is a lot of hair flying up. There's a lot of like sparks flying out of the eyes. There's just, yeah, it's, it's outstanding. Um, I got I got another Captain Marvel, but the Nine Inch Nails t-shirt version. Um, I got an Amaratasu from Wickdiv. Um, I, oh, I got a lovely, lovely little mermaid. Not the little mermaid, a mermaid that's small.
0: <laughs> There's a difference.
2: I've realized, I've realized I've described that terribly badly. There's a chap called Joe Latham. He's at LookHappy on Twitter. And I said, could you do me a mermaid or a unicorn? And he did me just the most beautiful mermaid. Um I saw Jen Lee, who did the art for Leaving Las Vegas. She she just happened to be there, and she had some original art, so I bought a princess from her. Oh I got God. a She Hulk from Russell Mark Olson, who did. I commissioned him to do pieces for Jess and Bob when I came over for New York Comic Con. Bob, I've got to send you a picture of this. I've yep. got a She Hulk, and she's amazing. Um, Gustavo Vargas also did me a She Hulk. Margot Saitel did me a meg from hercules
0: okay just the <laughs> i I um, no longer feel bad about money that I've spent in the past at cons. You are definitely outdoing me in in spades right now
2: um so when I joke about the fact that I will be eating like super noodles for the rest of the year, I today have made my food for the entire week, and it has cost me six pounds. <laughs> because I bought everything as it was just about to go off. I've done a slow cooked chili for the week and some jacket potatoes. And that's it. That's all I'm eating.
0: Being an adult (laughs) is all about priorities.
2: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And you obviously Um, have yours in row. Yes. And on the Sunday I was talking to, um, I was talking to the chap on the table next to, um, John Allison. And I was talking to him about one of his books and um, that was a chap called um, Warren Johnson Caldwell. Turns out he is just down the road from me. Um, and we had a really, really good chat about his book. And um, sorry, War- War- Warwick, not Warren, Warwick Johnson Caldwell. Um, and while I was talking to him, John Allison was just sitting there sketching. And I looked over and on his table, he had a Susan sketch and he had a Daisy sketch. Oh. And I was like, um...
0: Hey there, John. How you doing? Hey,
2: buddy. Uh, don't suppose there's an Esther to go with those? And he was like, mm, "There isn't, actually." I was like, "Oh, that's a real shame."
0: I got all this money over here.
2: <laughs> yeah, you can see where I'm going with this one, can't you?
0: Spurning so... a hole in my pocket. It could, you could save me.
2: So I do now also own a trio of giant day sketches, Disgusting. two of which, oh, no, no, don't worry. One of them's coming to your house. What? One of them's going to be coming to your house for your lovely, lovely wife. And one of them's going to be flying on out to Long Island for Ms. Jessica.
0: Oh, yeah. Reaping the benefits <laughs> <laughs> of which there are many. <laughs> uh, well, that's exciting for me. I'm. Uh, that's very cool. Thank you so
1: much.
2: And I also didn't get murdered on the way home either.
1: Very important. Yeah. And neither did John. We're hoping. How do we know that we're not talking to your
0: ghost right now?
2: Well, this is the thing is that I tweeted and put, you know, I got home safe. And then somebody replied to that. And John was like, I totally did. No way. Wrong account. Damn.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. That sounds like he was uh, he was a real good sport and a, uh, a gentleman
2: he was a jolly decent chap and we've kept in touch and we've already said you know same again next year um although his parting words to me were please try not to get in a car crash on the way home because it would be incredibly unfortunate if you did actually die (laughs) wow i like his
1: (laughs) sense of humor
2: which kind of gives you the idea of the sense of humor that both of us have um and and kind of the tone of our conversations but it was just it was just a really nice way to just, you know, meet a new friend and not get murdered um, and also get to go to a really nice convention. Um, also, they do a midcom party on the Saturday night, which luckily for me was at the com- the, the end of the convention center that was right next to my hotel. Um, and I wasn't drinking and it wasn't really my scene. But John very kindly invited me out to dinner with him and some of his friends who are all comic creators. Um so we went out for dinner and then we went to get some drinks and then I bumped into some people that I knew from home um so I chatted with them for a bit and then I went back to where John and his friends were and I was going to say you know I'm sort of heading off now and the lovely lovely Kieran Gillen came over to speak to me um and so I had a chat with Kieran and then I turned back to all these people I'd spent the evening with and they were all like that was Kieran Gillen what just happened? Why did Karen Gillen just come over and give you a hug? And I'm like, oh yeah, we've met a couple of times. You know, I've been <laughs> yeah, we're GM old friends. <laughs>
1: we're, we're buds, yeah.
2: And I was like, I am definitely leaving now because for the next 10 seconds, I look incredibly cool. Right?
0: Just drop the yeah. mic. <laughs>
2: I'm going to leave before I ruin it for everybody. <laughs> Throw
0: a couple of pounds on the table and be like, that should cover it. <laughs> just leave.
2: It was amazing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm going to go sit at the cool kids table. I'm out. Yep. Uh, all right, so look forward to Sarah's new graphic novel, How to Make Friends and Not Get Murdered, coming oh out at that. Uh, <laughs> the beginning of 2021. <laughs> Need some time to land an artist,
1: but uh, it'll be... She knows, she, she knows people now, Steve. That'll
0: you know a lot more people than we do at this point. Yeah. We're old hat. Ladies of Valhalla, coming
2: up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you say that, but Paul Cornell listens to our show, and he was incredibly complimentary about it, and saying very lovely things about us. So, talking comics is still cool.
0: Oh, Paul still. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Paul Paul Cornell is also a lovely chap. He All right. is. Let's say that we get, did. You have anything else?
2: Um. I don't Any other think cool so.
0: people that you might have met, or you know? gone out for drinks with or
2: oh now you're just gonna embarrass me because there will totally have been cooler people that i've met and that i'm like oh who haven't i mentioned (laughs) i have to i have to to think on that one yeah
0: let us know all right let's uh go into some comic book talk um let's give sarah a little bit of a break and have bob regale us with tales from his uh comic book pile this past
1: week bob what'd you uh what'd you read well, speaking of John Allison, I did read Steeple Number 3, which he did the art and story of Colors by Sarah Stern, Letters by Jim Campbell. It uh, really starts off well the first couple of issues. This one, I mean, we ignite some new conflicts within the cast while also bring together some very unlikely allies. There's a wind farm project starting up, and... It takes on some sinister, although godly, undertones. Like, I'm enjoying the heck out of this. No, sorry for cussing. Uh, <laughs> and it's just, it's just a wonderful take on the sacred and profane in, in, in the direct sense, but also in how you get along and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. So, that really, really enjoying it. Everyone else read Steeple?
2: Oh yeah. Yep, um, me
1: too.
0: I was kind of. I was a little bit thrown by this issue in that, you know, the first two were fighting monsters and stuff. And then in this one, the monsters are the people behind the wind farm. Ah. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> they come in all forms. And um, it wasn't exactly a tonal shift, but just such a shift away from like, there, there was nothing drooling or with fangs in this issue it was very much this organization that was building this wind farm for, you know, uh, good means, but they have ulterior motives <laughs> well. for building this thing in order to gain access to a higher power. The whole bit. I don't really know exactly how
1: it worked, but it was. Um, rapture, man! It's the Rapture. Didn't you see those uh, Kirk Cameron movie? <laughs> I did. I just. <laughs> I like the idea that
0: even in just the third issue, because this is supposedly going to be five, correct? Okay. So, John Allison, who we've seen just create this incredible tapestry of people and other happenings and other things going on with Giant Days, that in just the third issue of Steeple you can see the reach of the book and how you, there's like, it's not just the central characters that are in this book. There's a whole town and or island, the whole, uh mm-hmm. what did we say Tredreden mm-hmm. or something like that? I can't believe <laughs> oh, that. Oh, I should have asked
2: him, shouldn't I? Yeah. <laughs> I should have asked him when I was there. I think that I was calling it Tredrain. Tredrain? But yeah. yeah, but I okay. really should have just been like, hey, why are you here?
0: So I think it's really cool that You know, we got kind of a different type of setting and a different type of story with these characters. And especially with what happens on the last page and we're, you know, another group is teased. It just it shows how how large this could get if it's given more issues. And I think it's really cool that you can see the makings of that already in this third issue. So, yeah, uh, that series continues to be awesome. Sarah, you read it too, right?
2: I did, yes. And I was also quite thrown by the kind of the shift change from two to three. But I absolutely loved it um, because this is a very, a very British way of protesting, going and sitting in a church with some little homemade signs. Um especially the, the birds? Fact that, <laughs> Especially the fact that one of them says not in our backyard, which is, um, do you have NIMBYs? Yes, we do. do yeah, yeah. And I was just like, the fact that they are literal NIMBYs, this is brilliant. Um, and then it kind of went from this environmentalist flashback to <laughs> just being so bizarre, but utterly hilarious at the same time. And he went off and saw his friend in Inuki, who's got this whole kind of the dude thing going on. And then they turn out to be Christian Rock. And I was just like, this is going so many places I didn't expect. But I absolutely loved every minute of it. Um, and the, the priestess of Satan is rapidly becoming one of my favorite characters in comics. Maggie.
1: Um, Yeah.
2: Maggie. Yeah. She's just absolutely amazing. I love her. Um, so yeah, wasn't what I expected. Very much enjoyed it.
1: Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Um, Moving along. Middlemen number two, Dan Didio, Shane Davis, Michelle Delecki, Jason Wright, Travis Lanham had some good moments particularly in the teasing of Two Menaces from the team's Silver Age past, as well as a couple of on-metal character bits, but the issue grew dark with with what for me were some unnecessarily grim and adult bits. I'm in for at least a couple of more because I pre-ordered them, so here's hoping for less Snydery nth metal and more Mm -hmm. actual metal men, but that's just me being crabby and being not in my backyard. There you go. (laughs) Um, let's see Aquaman Kelly Sue DeConnick Robson Roca Daniel Enriquez Sonny Go with an assist by uh, Jesus Mourinho and Vincent Cifuentes just continue amazes and this issue 54 no exception beautifully nuanced tale Uh, it is the year of the villain so it's a lot about Black Manta and his past and how that brings him into this battle of Amnesty Bay I mean just tons of action in this first of a two-parter but as with anything that kelly sue does it it's about the human qualities that you really feel for what's going on even if you hate how it's being done so mm-hmm. uh you, anyone caught up on aquaman or where i think i'm that's a couple the one, of issues oh. behind okay yeah i think that's the
0: one that i haven't uh i don't know if i picked that one up i might have missed it uh on my list
1: i'll have to Go into the old files and check. Uh, I'm I'm saying it's important to be caught up on that one.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm yeah. One issue behind. This is the only one that I haven't read.
1: Okay, something that may not be important to be caught up on, but I enjoy. It's Gwenpool Strikes Back, number four by Leah Williams, David Baldion, Jesus Arbutov, Joe Caramagna. This one was a meta delight, as in her quest to stay comics relevant, Gwen plucks how to describe this, a league of extraordinary Gwenpools from past appearances to occupy the Hulk's attention long enough to gather the one weapon that might have help her defeat him, and that's Mjolnir. Now, how is it possible for her to use Thor's hammer? Well, let's just say the fourth wall is going to need a whole lot of spackle. Let me <laughs> tell you. Ceres series has been somewhat up and down. But boy, the high points are a lot of fun. So yeah, we'll see what, what goes with that. And finally, wow, Captain Marvel number 12, Kelly Thompson, New Order's League Garbett, Tamra Beyond, Clayton Cowles, just an incredible thrill ride from an in WTF moment <laughs> through to a gut punch of an ending, none of which I'll spoil. I will say that this is a Carol, Dan- Carol Danvers you've not seen before, as Miss Thompson continues to amaze with her take on Earth's Mightiest Hero. Her run so far just been terrific. For me, the best since Kelly Sue's original sure. two volumes. Mm-hmm. Uh, quickly, quickly on the Captain Marvel front, there was a tie into this Absolute Carnage thing, which I'm calling, you know, AbCar. Uh, it's okay. It's fun. You've you've got a carnageized Florkin. Chewy has got some problems, and it's pretty it's pretty well done as such things go. It makes no sense since I'm not reading the rest of the carnage <laughs> thing. But it's a it's a fun issue to have off to the side. So there's that. So uh, anyone read Captain Marvel? Yes. <laughs> go ahead. What what are our thoughts?
2: Um, absolutely love the art. I actually tried to find Lee Bear at Thought Bubble and every time I went to his table, he had so many people waiting for him, um, that I just didn't get a chance to speak to him. But the art on this, I thought was absolutely phenomenal. Um, there's a splash page. I think it's like the second or third page in, um, where you've got Carol and you've got Thor and, just the motion in the page is mm-hmm. is absolutely brilliant. I wasn't I? I read, <laughs> I read it, and then I was like, did I start this on the, like the third page? Have I missed something? And I had to go back and read it again because I didn't really get what was happening, having just read the previous two issues. Um, but by the time it got to the end, I was like, yeah, no, I'm totally in for this now. Um, absolutely action packed. So many splash pages. So many pages where you just go oh that needs to be on my wall um <laughs> not that i have any wall space left um but yeah really really enjoyed it um and as you said bob it's, she, she's having an absolutely stunning run on the character um so still really really enjoying captain marvel Hmm.
0: i agree <laughs>
2: yeah
0: uh yeah it's fantastic love the art absolutely um And I am intrigued. I know that the kind of villainous or or mean-spirited Captain Marvel has been freaking a couple of readers out in the lead up to this. And, you know, there's a nice little twist at the end to let everybody know that it might not be what you thought it was going to be. And so I'm very intrigued. And yeah, I mean, these pages are just epic. The two characters between you know Thor and Captain Marvel blasting each other through the stars and through like across the continent <laughs> right like yeah. through mountains and stuff just like grabbing somebody and hucking them right through a mountain they fly out the <laughs> other side yeah. uh, it's great. it's great and it's it's you know it's a it's an exciting turn from some of the like super emotional stuff that we've been getting uh, in mm. the previous issues, but this is also still very emotional. Uh, As well, I mean, these these hits are real hard. And the kind of like the dawning of confusion on Thor's face when he realizes who his adversary is. He's like, you know, what matter of, you know, magic is this and all these things. And (laughs) he finds out that like, no, like it's she's all right, but she's doing what she's got to do for reasons unknown. Um, and Thor gets his ass kicked, so <laughs> <laughs> that is always entertaining as much as I love him i do I do love seeing him get pummeled every now and again,
1: just to, you know keep him in check, make sure he knows what's what yeah uh, i sh- I showed those pages to uh my friend Angela, who's big captain Marvel Wonder Woman fan, uh, her mm-hmm. daughter's name Diana, for instance, her husband David is a huge Thor fan and came to those pages when the beatdown is happening and she had the biggest smile. It's like, yeah, I I have to get this and show Dave. It's like, yeah, you
0: should do. Yeah. Yeah. This captain Marvel run has been really engaging and really cool. And like you said, I I do agree wholeheartedly that it's the best since uh, Kelly Sue had her initial run of the character. Uh, I think she, uh, Kelly uh, Thompson is taking the torch and, and running with it. And it's Mm -hmm. just, it's just awesome to see. So I'm enjoying a lot of her stuff that's on the shelves right now, but this is definitely a standout um, for her current releases.
2: Also, and I don't know if this was me reading too much into it. Did anyone else think that there was um, a slight nod to Bitch Planet in the artwork here with the weird black markings on Carol's face? Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought that, but so now, now looking, So there's the bit yeah. where she has around the eyes, and then there's the line down from the lower lip down the chin, yeah, which is absolutely. very much like the Daughters of Eleanor from Bitch Planet. Um, Ooh. and as soon as I saw that, I was like, you know what you're doing here, don't you? And now yes. I'm second guessing myself and thinking, no, you shouldn't. Maybe not. Look at absolutely.
1: you.
2: Absolutely. Nice. Cat. Yeah, I am on one today.
1: Now
0: I got to go back to Bitch Planet and check that out. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Always. It's always a good time yeah, to go yeah. back to Bitch Planet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> totally is.
0: <laughs> uh interesting. I did not catch that. Good job, Sarah. Yeah, it yeah,
1: carries on sorry. through the rest of the book. Even yeah. on that last page. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I just as soon as I saw that, that was automatically what it made me think of. Because I couldn't work out. I was like, what what is what is the weird face thing? And then when I saw that, I was like, that that can't be a coincidence coincidental thing that that has to be a reference he must know what he's doing there
0: this would make so. for a uh, fantastic like alternate cosplay for captain marvel if somebody wanted to go the the dark route and like do the eye makeup and everything yes. change the suit up a little bit the star on the front of the faceplate or whatever is yeah. spectacular with the hair coming out of the top i just i love the design of this costume
2: and so. it would be very easy to do without the faceplate on it because you could just have the weird face art stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally.
2: Yeah, yeah you could. Yeah.
0: Options. Mmm. Mmm. The wheels are turning. <laughs> so,
2: may already be thinking about next year's New York Comic Con. Ah, uh, I don't know. We might have you reserved for something else.
0: <laughs> <There's> <laughs> Maybe we do one both. <laughs>
2: There is more than one day of a convention, fret you. You not.
0: do whatever you would like to do. Oh,
2: I'm I'm definitely in for the thing that I think you're talking about. If it's the thing that I think you're talking about. Yeah. But
0: you know yeah. what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. No, no one else about, Everyone else is
2: like they're, just, <laughs> they're just talking crap now.
0: <laughs> awesome. All right. Uh, I am actually going to do. I'm going to talk about a couple of books, and then uh, and then we'll round back to Sarah. I know. It's weird. Shocking i like to i like to mix things up keep people guessing here we go uh let's let's see i i read the uh i'm gonna start off with with the with the big emotional one and then we'll go from there uh i happened to read they called us enemy (gasps) by george takei um oh i don't have the artists in front of me my apologies i don't really know what to say (laughs) i don't know what to say about this book I had a lot of emotions while reading this book. Uh, if you don't know, this book is a an, uh, an account of George Takei and his family uh, being incarcerated for their heritage uh, during a very, very ugly time in the United States and them kind of going through the motions of being at the mercy of a corrupt government And rising above that stuff uh, to be to continue to be just amazing, uh, hardworking people. And it is an inspiring journey. I absolutely loved it. And uh, but I also was very uh, was very angered by it and disgusted by it. Yeah. And I, you know. Like I read, I, I talked a little bit last week and completely fumbled my way through my my whole spiel. But uh, the idea of how I like hearing these stories through graphic novels—I love having the visual element uh, for these, you know, very real and very heart-wrenching stories of things that, being a person that was never good in history class, uh, I'm learning a, a lot about this stuff for the first time. I don't think that I'd ever heard about any of what really? Twitch, no I, I don't think i did and if i did uh it was not presented in a manner that uh you know caused me to sit up in my chair and pay attention and i think a lot of the fault there is you know the the textbooks and the curriculums and just the way that american history is taught in america that so many things so many horrible disgusting things that we've done to people does not get the time that it deserves and if it makes america look bad we're gonna gloss over it or you know we're gonna dress it up to like a subchapter uh in this textbook and i'll have you read this part at home but we're not going to discuss it in class there might be two questions about it on the test uh so like i said this was very eye-opening for me i was i was sad for these people um just feeling absolutely torn apart as they were Throughout the years where they were uh, made to live and how they were made to live and just, you know, posing no threat whatsoever and taking good people and and reducing them down to, to make them feel like animals uh, in their own home and and strip them of their rights. And then the whole bit about asking them to sign paperwork about their, their citizenry and their loyalty to the country for a country that has absolutely no uh, respect for them whatsoever. Mm. And at one point in the story, uh, George talks about his parents being labeled as no-nos because they answered no and no to these two types of, like, loyalist questions to the United States. And I'm sitting there reading this, and I'm like, well, well yeah, obviously. <laughs> and... You know, for, for me, it, sitting, reading it, it's just characters in a book. But these are real people that went through this very real tormenting thing. And uh, it just broke my heart in all kinds of different places. It really reminded me of a lot of the emotions that I felt when we were reading through March uh, came about where I was just pissed off. You know, and uh, feeling the guilt of, of all of these things and thinking about kind of my own privilege uh, through life and, and and all of these things that I've never had to be concerned about because of, you know, how I was born and, and where I was raised and all of these things and all the all the good stuff that has come my way for, you know, being a good old white boy from New York and other people don't have it like this. And it's... It's terrible the the battles that they have to fight just to gain a modicum of respect from other people and uh, ha- um, go ahead Bob
1: no as you saw in the book there's it, it's certainly the darkest moment of the Roosevelt presidency which certainly took us through a lot of dark moments he did a lot of very very good things and there were senators and congressmen who put the idea out there that this Bill addressing this executive order would uh, make the the west coast safe for democracy or something and and as the person who followed fdr into the white house harry truman had a sign on his desk that said the buck stops here no matter who's behind that desk yes any decision made no matter how it's presented to you this was wrong and horrible and completely and utterly racist Because Mm -hmm. at the start of World War II, America was 25% of German descent. Here on Long Island, the Nazis actually parked a U-boat off the South Shore and let saboteurs come up onto the beach on Long Island because they assumed the German-American community here would embrace them and help them sabotage power plants and the Brooklyn Navy Yard and all sorts of other things. Oh, yeah. They were arrested almost immediately. A lot of other things happened. But still, there was no thought that, well, the Germans who were actively trying to destroy things were a threat. We weren't interning German-Americans. George and his family and and thousands and thousands of other people were American citizens. They were born here and still put into what amounted to internment camps in the deserts of the Southwest and Arkansas. Just about three weeks ago... In the mountains of, I think it was Montana, might have been Oregon, I'm forgetting now, the story's not in front of me. They found the remains of someone who had wandered off from one of the camps. Hmm. He had gone missing apparently twice to go fishing to just have some semblance of human activity and died alone. And he was buried under some rocks and they just found his remains again after 30 some odd years. It's, it's, It's just heinous what happened and it's important we remember in an era where we are once again afraid of people who don't look like us
0: yeah my uh my sister when she lived in east yapank for a number of years oh yeah she lived in that german community Mm -hmm. and uh yeah i don't remember the specifics of it but there was some kind of a a lawsuit or some kind of heritage thing going on still in the books yeah they were trying to like erase the history that happened there, and then other people were like, no, this
1: needs to be remembered. It was a whole thing. Um well, and the that, that community it the, on the books, it is still the the neighborhood charter is you have to be of German descent to yeah. live there. Yeah. Back in the thirties, I'm gonna throw a word that that's not used anymore and probably not in the history books anymore, there was the German American Bund, B U N D where they were the Nazi sympathizers. And there were lots of them, including Henry Ford and Rockefeller and probably Joe Kennedy, Mm -hmm. um, who thought that they, before the really bad stuff started to come out, let me just put that out there, when it was just a political movement. But still, there were Torchlight Nuremberg rallies in Yapank on those campgrounds. On the actual, you'll find this appalling, Sarah, well, we should take you out there the next time you're on the island. Mm. This Yapank community on the original tax maps, the street names are Himmler Avenue and Hitler Boulevard, and that's where what? these people Yes. Now yeah. now that now it's Elm Street and Main Street and whatever. But the original map of the area, if you go back to the tax records, yes, it's all celebrating German fascism.
2: What?
0: Yeah, she doesn't Which is, learn...
2: which, which is no, kind of ironic that. because I had um a I had an uncle on long island who was of polish descent who actually moved to america to get away from the nazis in germany and he lived on long island so guess- that's slightly ironic that you had your own nazis
1: oh we had plenty of them yeah um
0: this is, even the design of, uh, of my sister's old place was very unique their uh pantry where like, they kept all their cereals and everything mm-hmm. was like a reinforced uh fallout shelter i'm I'm dead serious i don't doubt it yeah um there were all kinds of like strange compartments uh in the backyard like their their backyard was kind of tiered uh there was a dock at the end of it so you could park a boat and um there were what looked like um almost like clay stove ovens like built into the walls there was at least one of them still there that um they converted it and they 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 changed the fountain into a pool and did a whole thing um
1: in but case yeah of when... a catastrophe they were they could be self-sufficient they had their own ovens and uh, access by sea and so on and so forth yes there were yeah all right wild stuff yeah, now
0: yeah. Got a little long island history lesson in your uh, your comic book talk this week <laughs> <laughs> all right let's talk about some more comics here uh, I'm sure you'll be hearing more about they call this enemy oh, yeah. in the next couple of weeks. Um, we have some plans for that book uh, when we get to our awards. All right, moving on, Heartbeat number one, presented by Maria Lovey, Doom oh, Doom Studios Boom Studios., <laughs> ah, all Eva wants to do is die. Her life is a mess. She's covered with bruises and has been labeled an outcast by her peers. The story goes that after pulling some strings, Eva's mother got her a chair at some fancy schmancy school <laughs> that enlists uh, where elitists and bullies patrol the halls. No one wants Eva uh, at the school, not even her own friends. To survive the day today, Eva does her best to remain unnoticed her only outlet being a social media site that contains her dark poetry and even darker thoughts about her fellow students. Basically, her life sucks. That is until one day she discovers that the dreamiest guy in her class is more than just another pretty face. He's a monster who's got a taste for blood. And Eva, rather than being frightened, finds that she too is hungry for the forbidden bum 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 <gasps> <laughs> so anyway uh i i didn't know what to think about this book at first and then i read it again and i actually really i grew to like it a lot uh i dig the book's vibe it had like atmospherically speaking I think it has something of a Wes Anderson, uh, that's Royal Tenenbaums, Moonrise Kingdom, meets Jean-Pierre Joannette, Amelie, The City of Children, Alien Resurrection, uh, air about it with a little bit of early Terry Gilliam, Fisher King, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas mixed in. I really like how fashionable the characters are. There are a lot of details in the design of their clothing, and I think the variety of their looks serves as a really great way of telling you where they land on the social ladder without having to sort them all into categories, you know, like, this is your jock, this is your mean girl, this is your brainy loner, he's the pretty boy, that sort of thing. Uh, Lots of frills, track jackets, kerchiefs, eye patches, it's all very cool. Uh, The art is evocative and dramatic. If I may be so bold, there's something of a Rosemary Valero O'Connell, Laura Dean keeps breaking up with me, thing happening here. Uh, The art is somewhat sensual, but still has a lot of edge to it. And I really dig it. I believe that uh, Maria was also the artist for Faithless, which is that steamy, steamy book that Joey uh, has talked about on the show a few times. And honestly, after seeing the art in this, um, between Joey's recommendation, I I might have to go and check out Faithless, uh, at least the first trade. So, all right, as I was saying, while I felt a bit thrown by Eva's like uber emo outlook on life, I had to remind myself to consider the source. This is a high school girl who risks being beaten every day uh, that she attends class. This on top of fearing for her overworked mother's health, while also feeling the pressure of securing funds for a looming scholarship program. There's a lot for her to carry from day to day. So I'm not about to deny Eva a few melodramatic poems. If it helps her get through the day, whatever, (laughs) whatever you got to do. She's obviously struggling with her circumstances. She longs for death, but when faced with death, with death, she thinks it's beautiful. And so this is a dark teen drama. And there's a dude in the courtyard picking up dead birds. And I'm just like, all right, I'm in. I'll, uh, I'll bite a little bit. It's got a little bit of a manga feel to it every now and again. And uh, yeah, I vampires, maybe. I don't know yet. So heartbeat number one. I'm Maria Louvet. <laughs> Sarah. Yes. Join me.
2: <laughs> this book this is a very very strange book isn't it it's just I was I read it and then I was like I have no idea what I have just read
0: right like and you I you know not know what to grasp from it
2: yeah and I was like what just happened where are the bruises coming from what are the weird things that she draws on her arm with her like marker pen after she's gone all emo on the internet? Why are the other kids being obviously the other kids being so mean to her because, you know, kids Kids. and me. Um, Mm -hmm. and then like the, the emo kid with the bird in, in the (laughs) courtyard. I wasn't, I found that character to be very androgynous. I wasn't even sure if that character was, was supposed to be male or female. Um, Mm. And that kind of added a whole new level to it for me. But oh my God, this book is so beautiful. Like even, even the mother passed out on the sofa with a belly full of drugs is drawn beautifully. And like the really cute uniforms they have and her weird eye patch. And I I get what you mean about It's got kind of a manga feel to it, but all the students are in like slightly different versions of the same uniform and all of them make it look so cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, I really, really liked the fashion in this. Sure.
2: Yeah, I have got to read the next issue of this because I have no idea what's going on, but I like it. It's one of those. It's one of those
0: books that, as I was reading it, I really tried to put myself into, uh, like I said, the atmosphere and the over the the overall feel of the book. <laughs> and it, I felt very claustrophobic as I was mm. reading it. Like there are some panels where the characters are very close to you as the reader it's kind of like almost like a fisheye effect Ooh. particularly in the scene when uh she's talking to one of her instructors about the scholarship plan and the the teachers explain to her that she has to have her mother sign this thing and that there are going to be additional payments uh that are going to need to be met and they're already struggling to keep eva in this school and so she knows that that's just going to mean more work for her already overworked mother and so that creates drama there so that's going on but like there's a point in the book where i guess they're in chorus class and they're all singing and and they're 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 singing this song and then right at the bottom of the page there's this like watery swirly churning panel out of nowhere and it's just so bizarre i'm like is this the blood of like pretty boy dude man who likes blood like what is happening is there a virus going around the school um just very moody very bizarre um i don't know sometimes like reading comics you're just reading a comic book and you're just going along do to do to do and then there are comics that really grab you and kind of like curdle the air around you as you read it. Uh kind of like the plot did uh a couple of weeks ago. Oh, that book is so good. Yeah, and this this has like especially toward the end, when you kind of find out that there's more going on in the school than meets the eye. Um, again, vampires question mark, exclamation point question mark? I don't know. And I'm really excited to find out. It it's got a little bit of a uh not Cronenbergian. Who's the the really weird? Um... David Lynch. Yes, yes. A little bit of a David Lynch feel to it for sure. Uh, the Hunger and all that. So, yeah, um, cool, cool. i had seen I'd seen a couple of uh, reviews floating around online that were uh, not really too kind to this book, and so I I was a little hesitant um, going into it after I'd already purchased it. And I found that I disagreed with them mm. and enjoyed it very much.
2: It's so. interesting that you say um, maybe a little bit of vampire because I, <laughs> I'm really nerdy. The song that they're singing, when you kind of have like all the looks glancing between them when they're in choir practice, I actually looked up the lyrics of that song. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so that so basically they sing something in latin and then they say let us sing together our education lives on and then it's latin again and then it's let us sing together until a new sun rises so i looked up what the latin meant and it means let justice be done though the heavens fall and i'm like heaven's falling sun rising i am definitely leaning into the vampire motif yeah Mm. hmm yeah
0: amazing panel where the dude uh going to town having a blood feast opens up these doors and all you can see is the silhouette and like the doors on his hands coupled with his body and the way it's positioned they look like wings kind of spreading out at that moment Mm -hmm. and it's just panels like that that make this extra creepy and and I'm intrigued it's weird it made me it made me feel a lot of different things Um, I was kind of creeped out about it I was a little skeeved out I thought it was also gorgeous, and uh, <laughs> it's weird, and I'm I'm into it. I thought it was very good.
2: It was, yeah, definitely. I'm glad that
0: you agree. Moving right along, it's time for something. Is killing the children?
2: Yeah,
0: number three. I can't stop talking about this book.
2: Speaking written of creepy, by James Titan. What, what Sarah? Speaking of creepy,
0: yes, written Ooh. by James Titan the fourth. Illustrated by Werther de la Dera. Colors by Miguel Muerto. Letters by Anne World Design. By the way, Anne World Design also did the letters for uh, Heartbeat Number 1. I forgot to add them to the credits. This book opens with yet another disturbing scenario in which... You guessed it, something is killing the children.
1: What a shock.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, five of them in this issue to be exact. And as the bodies start to pile up, our hero, Erica Slaughter, one of the best names in all of comics, realizes that she could be up against something far worse than she'd first anticipated. As whatever is killing the children continues to do so and becomes far more brazen about where it finds its victims Erica is forced to convince the local fuzz that she's on their side. There's a great back and forth in this issue between Erica and Joe, the police officer who arrested Erica in the previous issue. The scene is uh, very old school versus new school between them. But in the end, there's this nice bit of trust between the two parties and they're going to go out and they're going to kick some monster ass in their own respective ways and i really liked it i liked their chemistry i thought that was a really good couple pages uh this issue gives us a great introduction to some of the other characters in this story and sets up something nasty for erica who isn't liked very much by those whose family members have been abducted or have turned up dead because of whatever is killing the children the artwork continues to be tremendous on this book and i've got to say I positively love the lettering by Anworld Design in this issue. While the letters don't change for each character, the font tends to be more dramatic when characters are arguing or when creatures arrive on the scene. Their screeches and clicks that emanate from Mm. the, the creatures, for example, are drawn in this really haunting manner. The edges of the letters are either really sharp or look as if they're dripping with blood depending on... Where the monsters are in the room and how close they are to the victim—it's very subtle, but it's there and it's really, really cool. It really serves to kind of heighten like the auditory uh, information from the book of what's going on in the story. And yeah, I, I like kind of the the tag-along nature of the kid who survived teaming up with this like cyclops that's going around hunting these monsters down. And I mean. Which is one of the coolest characters that I've come across this year. One, if we had a, a like a cool new character, best new character category for end of the awards, Erica Slaughter would <laughs> definitely be uh, in the running for that. So yeah, uh, something is killing the children continues to be outstanding. Go buy it. Go read it. Okay, here we go. Marauders number two, written by Jerry Dugan, art by Matteo Lali, colors by Federico Blee. Letters by VCs Corey Pettit and designed by Tom Muller. Since Mr. Joey Burcino isn't with us this episode, I wanted to make sure that there was some X-Men representation on this week's podcast. For those of you who haven't been following the X-Men spinoffs, Marauders, is the kate pride-led book that finds the characters sailing the high seas in search of mutants who have yet to, uh, to be welcomed into krakoa the newly established mutant island where everyone with the x gene can theoretically live in peace This issue finds Emma Frost, a high-ranking member of the new Mutant Council, meeting with Sebastian Shaw and discussing his recent actions. You see, Sebastian hasn't exactly been holding up to his end of the bargain with regard to shipping Krakoa's miracle drug to those in need. Shaw's taken it upon himself to decide who gets the shipment and when. This is unacceptable. However... (laughs)
1: <laughs> Emma has Not out of to... character, however.
0: <laughs> no, not out of character at all. Uh, Emma has come to lay down the law, and she's got some disappointing news for Shaw that's bound to throw a wrench into his plans. In addition to uh, to the Emma and Shaw stuff, we get some amazing scenes of the sassy Kate Pride and her team giving a crew of nefarious sailors what for, including Bar- uh, Bat- Batroc the Leaper. Is that his name? Batrock. Batrock? Batrock the Leaper. Batrock the Leaper, uh, what a pain in the ass this guy is!
1: <laughs> yes, uh, he is. in. He's in uh, Winter Soldier. Isn't is he it, in the ship that um, the big fight with Cap on the ship? That's Batrock. Wow. Is that I'll Civil War to... or Winter Soldier? Where they they there's a hijacked ship.
0: I feel like there's a hijacked ship in
1: every Captain. I think it's. I movie. think it's. I think it's Winter Soldier.
0: All right, I'll have to go back. Yeah, uh, he needed a punch in the mouth in this always, issue always did. Yeah, thankfully, uh the book delivers on that. <laughs> uh there's this am- okay, so there's this Lipper. Yeah. <laughs> when Kate plants a kiss on a tattoo artist and then he asks, "Who are you?" and she replies, "I'm a former school teacher." Then she grabs a red jacket off of the hook and she exits the parlor. It is a total badass moment. Um I don't necessarily want to spoil this book, but um, let's just say K-, K Pride stands to play a much larger role uh, in the mutant stuff going forward than uh, we might have assumed. Uh, I'm excited. This book is, is so far one of the best uh, things to come out of the Jonathan Hickman Hawks Pox run.
1: And yeah, I wish Joey was here to talk about it because I'm pretty sure that he would agree. He may Good come times. back to talk about it. Here's the thing, uh, from what you're describing, I didn't pick up this second issue. Mm-hmm. It, it still has that Excalibur vibe mm-hmm. for, of, of the old Claremont Davis Excalibur, which you're talking about Kate doing stuff like that. She was Kitty then. It was it was her coming of age in a way where she, even though it was Claremont and Byrne who created her, there was this new edge to her as she sort of was growing into being a superhero and a a young woman. And that's that scene you described as awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of, she has such
1: great moments, uh, through,
0: I mean, it's only been two issues, but both issues I think are, are really doing, uh, the character. Well, her fighting style, just her grabbing onto people and bringing them, like phasing them through objects And stuff like that. She fights this big dude uh, in the middle of the book, and they just like the the fights are almost comical because they just they have no idea what's going on. She grabs this guy and practically dances like sambas with him on this boat, faces him through the edge of the boat, and dips him you know uh as part of the dance number <laughs> and then he realizes like there's rushing water beneath him and a giant ass boat he could get sucked up into the uh fans for all we know and she just dips him and she's like you know see you later dip shit just like let him go <laughs> and i'm like oh my god this is awesome <laughs> so. i'm gonna
2: have to write this now
1: yes i hear yeah. there's also a reference to x3 that line is there is that in this book? I thought I've,
0: so. I've seen X three all of two times. Oh, okay. So no, it's I, the, I, I'm
1: the that line. Oh, I'm, I'm the Joker. Jugger- juggerna-
0: There's well, yeah, that's the thing I don't want to spoil. There's oh, something okay. at the very end. Um, a Sorry. piece of the puzzle is is uh, is put into place, so to speak, and it's a great line. Uh, to me, it didn't read so much X three as it did Aliens and uh, Ripley. Oh. Yeah so the whole uh get away from her you bitch kind of thing the last Uh,
1: movie in that series yeah
0: yeah kate is uh she is in charge in this and i one of the things that i really like about her character in this like she's obviously having fun like she this is a very freeing position for her to be in she might have been denied access to krakoa but she's running with it and she's making the most of it. And she's really leaning into her new role in, you know, the Marvel uh, in, in the, the X-Men universe. And uh, it's cool. It's not a, it's not a story about how she was denied access. And we have to read four issues of her feeling sorry for herself. She's like, you don't want me fine. Like I will go out. I will find people that you do want and I will own it. And you can kiss my ass and
1: uh i'm really really enjoying but, it a lot as you say the that vibe excalibur came about during a period where the x men were splintered some thought some of each were dead and blah 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 so she went to england and became part of this other team and that helped her grow what you're describing here is exactly that sort of personal journey and and kitty pride kate pride is so perfect to take that we've, we've grown up with her in a way. Mm. So watching the next step in that is thrilling. Yeah. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, and lastly, I'll just mention
0: super quick, just because it was another, another great issue after a really good start. Uh, I got to check out Afterlift number two. This is a Comicsology original, and this is from Chip Zdarsky, Jason Liu on art, uh, Paris, uh, Aline on colors and Aditka Bidikar letters and Allison O'Toole is the editor for this book. This is awesome. I uh, I kind of skirted around a couple of things last time, giving people a chance to read it, but I'm going to spoil a little bit of it now. So basically, this, uh, this girl who is involved in a rideshare program, uh, Uber, whatever else you take, Lyft, she has picked up a man who uh, added a stop to their route, and he brings this kind of like lifeless woman by the name of suzanne and announces that she is going to hell and our driver is now in charge of ferrying her from one point to the other and in this issue we get just total mad max stuff going on as other demons from hell are trying to claim her she's basically a bounty uh some deaths are worth more than others and suzanne's death is apparently like you know cream of the crop and so they're all coming after this car to take her and and get the bounty for their own blah 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 i don't know the main character's name i apologize i should have written it down but there are so many moments where she's freaked out by what's happening and she's losing her mind and basically turning around like no i'm not doing anything else until you explain to me exactly what the hell is going on because none of this makes any sense And for me, in movies, in books, I love it when characters kind of press pause on the crazy shit that's happening to them. And, you know, this needs to be addressed. I just need to make sure that I understand all the ins and outs of what's happening right now. Because otherwise, I'm losing my mind and I might never be coming back. So she basically comes uh, to terms with her situation. She understands the stakes. And so again, another character that decides, instead of being uh, fearful of the whole situation, she's going to lean into it. And she gets particularly excited as she realizes that the like the laws of physics and things of the like no longer apply to her car. Her car, now that she's entered into this race to hell, has been imbued with powers. So her all of a sudden she's driving like the gadget mobile. and it can it can ride on building walls and it can leap over other cars and do all this crazy crap and so you get to see this car do some really wild stuff as all these explosions are happening there's some really amazing banter between the demons that are in pursuit of this car and uh there is a there's a little bit of a switcheroo in in toward the end and again just like Another hook to change the story a little bit and bring you in for another issue and say, hey, you remember how you thought the book was going to go like this? Well, guess what? You know, we're putting things in reverse and it's going to be about this now. And I'm, I'm really excited to, to continue reading this. This has been uh, a lot of fun in these first two issues. Um, and there's also some like there's some flashback sequences going on here. that I don't quite know what's going on, giving me a little bit of um, Murder Falcon. Vibes, Ooh. so uh, yeah, good stuff. Chip Zdarsky having a, a really, really incredible year uh, in comics, and and the rest of the team as well. A fine job on Afterlift. So that's me.
2: That yeah, reminds you. me, whilst I was at said Thought Bubble convention, I saw Mr. Daniel Warren Johnson
1: oh. of Murder Falcon
2: fame. And I fangirled all over him. <laughs>
0: did you clean it up afterward?
2: Yeah, I did. No, I basically <laughs> I just I just went over and I was like, um I was like, I'm really sorry. I don't have anything for you to sign. I just wanted to tell you how amazing your book was, how much it meant to me, and just kind of went into like the impact that it had on you and I, Steve. Um mm-hmm. and the effect it had on us. And I was like, honestly. I went into it expecting some kind of comedy book about rock music and I just ugly cried everywhere and he was just like he was like thank you so much it's it's like really nice to hear and I was like really make me ugly cry was nice to hear <laughs> but yeah he was super nice about it he was really really lovely about it um and he was really pleased that we enjoyed his book so there you go
0: Ug- ugly tears is what gives them their power
2: yeah they drink very- them
0: like wine <laughs> uh bob you fill this in for me thank you they call this enemy by george takei justin oh, Isinger. I, di- I did not oh sarah, sarah did. you did this yep <gasps> okay well then thank you sarah
2: no worries bud i got gotcha. you uh
0: <laughs> george takei justin Isinger, and steven scott uh illustrated by harmony becker for that powerful ass graphic novel good job okay sarah hi we're back to you.
2: Yay. Yay. I'm going to talk uh, about all the books.
0: Yeah. Tell us what, what books have you been reading?
2: Okay. So first of all, I need to thank the lovely Jessica, um, who brought Hex Wives to the pod many, many moons ago. Hex Wives is a Vertigo book from Ben Blacker, Mirka Andolfo, Marissa Louise, and Josh Reed. Um, I only recently got my button gear and picked this up, which was dear listeners, a mistake i should have listened to jessica earlier um this is a tale of witches fooled into a stepford wives style existence it is a smart funny feminist book that everybody should read Murka and art is sexy stylish and spooky as all heck at times there are some moments in this book where i was just like nope closing that gonna go do something else for five minutes did not like um Hexwives pulls no punches, um, but it does deliver a few. And there is some really superb use of page layouts to be seen in here. Um, the husband-wife relationships range from just a bit weird to full-on outright emotional abuse. And the tricks that the men use to try and keep the witches in line are at times laughable, but they still work. Um, the shared experience of refining their power really, really struck a chord with me. And it reminded me of the importance of having your own Coven. I mean, friendship group. Um, <laughs> it was it was absolutely brilliant. And I only wish I'd read it sooner. Um, I don't know if there are plans for any more Hex Wives. I really hope there are, though, because there are some really strong characters in here. And as I said, the art was absolutely beautiful. Um, next up, we have Olympia, number one which is an image book from Kurt Pyers, Tony Pyers, Alex D. Cuniff, and Micah Myers. Um, it actually says on the back of the cover of this book, a must-have for fans of the comics of Jack Kirby or the films of Steven Spielberg, which, I'll be honest, is a pretty bold statement, if yeah. you ask me. Um, it opens in the style of a Kirby-esque comic, but it's the story of a boy called Elon who is a comic obsessed child with an absentee mother and a possibly dead father who finds his comic book hero crash landed in the woods outside of town. Um, if you add in a school bully who somewhat predictably uses the word faggot to describe our protagonist, a sympathetic teacher, um, a stereotypical comic book guy. And so far it's all very playing it safe and ticking those nostalgia boxes. Um, However, the art is really, really pretty. It switches from the kind of Kirby-esque style to a more modern style. Um, The Olympian himself, who kind of looks like a cross between He-Man and Thor, um, and may or may not be about eight feet tall because the proportions change occasionally. He kind of has flashes of humour. And then there's an appearance of the big bad from the comic within the comic, which was enough to spark my interest for issue two. Um, While I'm on the subject of 80s nostalgia though Keep your eyes peeled for a Ladies of Our Hello interview That we recorded at New York Comic Con with Cy Spurrier Because he's got a book coming out with Chris Wildgoose Called Alienated Which sounds absolutely amazing I also met Chris Wildgoose um, At Thought Bubble (laughs) Honestly, it's like everyone from British Comics was there It was insane Um, And he was super lovely on a complete change, I read Mooncakes, which is published by Raw, who I've never heard of Raw as in the noise a tiger makes, not as in uncooked meat. It's, um, it's by Wendy Zoo, Suzanne Walker and Jeanette Gill. Um, Mooncakes is a really sweet coming of age tale about childhood friends separated by circumstance and reunited by destiny. Um, But also one of them is an orphaned witch and the other is a non-binary werewolf and they are both super queer. So this book is so far into my wheelhouse, it's practically part of the foundations. Um, (laughs) Nova and Tam, witch and werewolf respectively, are both shown adapting to the changes in their lives that includes... um, Dealing with step parents, discussing their sexuality, accepting and adapting to Tam's non-binary status, and saving their town from an evil cult intent on releasing a horse demon—you know, teenager stuff. Um, the art is a manga-esque style that seems increasingly popular with up-and-coming comicers, especially those um, those who seem to identify as um, queer or LGBTQIA+. Um, It's a really lovely style and I really enjoy it. It works really, really well with this book. I don't know if there are plans to produce any more books in this world, um, whether about Nova and Tam as they go on new adventures or about Tat, who is Nova's best friend who is a scientist and massively sceptical about magic, even though her best friend is a witch, Um, or about Nova's frankly adorable pair of grandmas who run a bookshop. Um, but I really, really hope that there will be more. One of the things I particularly liked about Mooncakes is that at no point was sexuality, gender, disability, race, anything like that, n- at no point was that more or less than one aspect of someone's character. It was never a defining trait, um, which I highly appreciated after one too many times of seeing tokenism within comics. Um Another book that I read, which was an OGN, was Conspiracy of Ravens. This is published by Dark Horse. It's by Leah Moore, John Repion, Sally Jane Thompson and Nikki Smith. Um, With a nod to the Enid Blyton stories of my childhood, but without the rampant racism or homophobia, naturally. um, Conspiracy of Ravens is a standalone OGN about a 15 year old boarding school pupil who inherits a crumbling mansion from an aunt she didn't know about which, let's face it, is basically every girl's dream. Um, But with it comes a supernatural mystery, which includes magic, masquerade, and membership of secret society. Um, There are layers to this book, not just about the politics of navigating teenage life, but also around the socioeconomic factors of private education and boarding schools and deprivation versus privilege in a rural setting conspiracy of ravens also has some interesting things to say about parent child relationships and the effects of divorce on both children and on the divorcees themselves um oh and there's also some shape shifting and maybe a robot um no spoilers <laughs> <the way>. though <laughs> yeah yeah that's FYI. a by the way yeah yeah um but i don't want to give any spoilers because i really really do hope people will go out and pick this book up for themselves visually the entire book is told in tones of blue black and white which lends ah, it a delightfully that. old-fashioned feel. It was like reading old annuals at my nan's house, um, but it also gives it a really modern aesthetic um, in the vein of Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me or the forthcoming Sherlock adaptation of Study in Scarlet from Matt Hardy, Matt Hardy and Russell Mark Olson, which I will be talking about when it comes out because I've seen a sneak preview of it and all my life it looks amazing. As with Mooncakes, I would love to read some more of these characters and this world. So hopefully everyone listening will go out and buy these books and then they'll get sequels and then I can read more. Um, Now, now,
1: Conspiracy of Ravens, that's one of my favorite old fashioned collective nouns, right? That's where we're going here.
2: Yes. So you have um, you have a murder of crows. You have a conspiracy of ravens. You have a I believe it's a dissolution when it's the Corvids as a collective themselves. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's a reason that it's a conspiracy of Ravens. Um, I also want to just do some honorary mentions this week. One goes to Once a Future from Kieran Gillen, Dan Bora, Tamra Bonvian and Ed Jukesher, because honestly, this book is getting better with every issue and I raved about the first issue, so it must be good it's getting more and more ridiculous and it's really going deep into Arthurian legend and Celtic myths and all kinds of weird craziness Um, and also the last issue was partly set in Bath and I've been there so I was like oh I've been to those places which is always (laughs) amusing for me Um, we mentioned it earlier I want to mention it again crowded From Chris Sabella, Rose Stein, Ted Brand, Triona Farrell and Cardinal Ray, It continues to be absolutely outstanding. Issue 10 came out last week. And we've, um, no spoilers, but we've got a bit of sexy time going on in this book. Yeah, we do. Um, (laughs) But not at the expense of anything else. And there's a reason for it happening. And we learn a lot more about another character.
1: Oh, yes. Those pages about Cersei are amazing.
2: I just want issue 11 now. I don't want to wait for it. You could Um, probably
0: get it if you really tried.
2: (laughs) I don't think I could because I don't think they finished drawing it yet. Um, (laughs) I will come back to Crowded in a minute, but the other book that I wanted to give an honorary mention to was Money Shop. Um, Now, obviously, I talked about this when issue one came out and I used the word cock a lot because I'm a child and it's one of the characters' names. So this book kind of like I really enjoyed issue 2 but it had a very different change of pace so we mm-hmm. get quite a lot on um, the planet dry reef and we get this whole kind of planet hulk fighting in the arena kind of thing going on and then we go back to um porn 101 <laughs> we, which there's a panel that says porn 101 and are all sitting on office chairs and it's a powerpoint presentation and the caption says, welcome, triple X explorers, to fuck school. And I was just <laughs> like, this is amazing. And then we go through like a nine-hour PowerPoint presentation about the history of pornography. And It was quite informative. It's very informative and also quite amusing at times. Um, so <laughs> the fact that it ends up with, what's next, Mrs. Acampo? Homework. Actually... Yes. Um, You kind of learn a bit more about um, about the main characters and the explorers in this, which I really enjoyed. It goes to some strange places. We meet some very strange characters. There's a lot more tentacle than I was expecting. I'm going to be honest. Um, (laughs) And yeah, and then it kind of ends and I'm like, what? You can't you can't leave us with that you can't leave with that kind of a cliffhanger um so i enjoyed it it wasn't what i was expecting based off of um issue 1 but as with crowded and wants and future it's continuing to make me laugh in a way that annoys the whoever's sitting next to me when i'm reading it so you know good enough for me
0: you know it's always a good book when uh, somebody's getting boned by the diva Plava laguna <laughs>
2: from, uh, Fifth <laughs> element <laughs> yes yes you do um one thing I did just want to bring up about crowded though. There's been a lot of internet chatter over the past weekend to do with piracy and people reading comics online that they haven't paid for. Um and this this conversation comes up every, you know, every six months or so. And people talk about it and creators talk about it. But one thing that was slightly different this time is somebody actually did a survey and said how many times have you, how many times have your books been pirated, and how much do you actually earn as a creator? And the vast, vast majority of creators earned less than twenty five thousand dollars a year, and most of them have seen their books pirated fifteen hundred times or more. And Ted Brand, who does Crowded, he went onto a popular site and he looked at it, and he looked at how many times Crowded had been read on this site, and it was a terrifying figure. It was nine and a half thousand times per issue on average. That's 95,000 times that that book has been read without being paid for. And Ted is very open and honest, bless him, on social media. And he came out and he said, you know, Ro and I live with my mum because we can't afford not to. And we Mm. just about scrape a living making comics. And if you follow him on Twitter, you know that he gets up at four o'clock in the morning and he works until nine and then he takes a break. And then he works again all day and then he takes a break because that's the pace that he has to work at to produce enough pages to just about scrape a living from making comics. Um, And Joe Glass, who writes The Pride, was also talking about it and he looks at how many times his books have been pirated, and he said, I write comics in my spare time because I have to have a full-time job. And if all of you people who have pirated my comic had paid the $2 it would cost you to read it on Comicsology, I could write comics full-time. But I can't because, essentially, you are stealing. And lots of people have come back and gone, oh, well, you know, if, if we read Marvel comics pirated, then it's fine. It's like, But people aren't oh. doing that. People are reading from these little creators. And then you see... The one that really was a kick in the teeth for me was somebody made a comment on one of the piracy sites saying, I wish this book hadn't been cancelled.
0: Oh, um, bad form.
2: Yeah. And Ted actually said they are, they are going to produce less less issues of Crowded than they originally planned to because they cannot afford to keep making it. Oh. so so if, you, if you're one of those people out there who is reading crowded on a scalping site or a pirate site you have taken my book away from me because i love that book i love it so much i dressed up as one of the characters from it i love it so much i bought multiple copies and given them to people as gifts but there's going to be less of it than there should have been because people don't pay for it and i just i wanted to bring it up because i'm I'm 99% certain that the vast majority of people who listen to us don't use those sites because I think we have a really good community that listen to our show. But Um, if you know someone who does it, then have a word, sort it out. Take them, pull them aside, put them in the chair. (laughs) (laughs) It's a multi-pronged
1: problem. It is certainly to, to go back to the old days. This is a Napster thing again where creators who made art, and in that case it was records and music, and spent sometimes years creating an album, found that there were people downloading it for nothing, stealing it off the internet, and everyone went crazy when the guys from Metallica, who granted made a lot of money selling records anyway, said, no, that's not right. Mm -hmm. Because it isn't. I've told the story before about Harlan Ellison suing AOL and and winning a settlement from them, the, the cost of millions to fight, over people downloading his novels and books and essays from the internet for nothing, even though he has his own publishing company. Yeah. We, we yeah add, I, uh, go, go ahead. Go ahead, Bob. Oh, okay. I was just going to say, the other half of that is because the big two have monopolized the industry. Five or six years ago, we did a show, Steve, I don't know if you remember, where we were predicting what would happen in five years. And it really looked as if the smaller independents, Image and Dark Horse and Boom was just starting out, would would eventually erode away at the big two and and might even be 50% of the industry. Well, the big two had their own plans, being owned by giant megacorporations, and basically Marvel particularly flooded the marketplace with books that caused dollars to be centered on... Events and big books, or things like Star Wars, which then bleeds down to stores that have to then short order on smaller books like Crowded or other smaller titles that then can't get enough attention, despite the fact that they win Eisner Awards and are the focus of major slices of fandom who are all passionate about the books and buy them, but you don't get that. that extra little boost of someone gets to see it on the shelf because the stores can only buy enough to satisfy pull lists and not enough to let it sit there on the shelf and be discovered in a moment of serendipity. And then to some people's (sighs) discredit, instead of spending that $6 a month to get a comiXology unlimited account or just buying it on comiXology for $2 during the sale or a dollar during the sale, we go to one of those dark web places and, yeah. and steal it. Ugh. Ugh. Don't get me started. Yeah. Get off my lawn. You kids. <laughs> yeah. The, the digital
0: age has really been cruel to comic book creators, musicians, filmmakers. Uh, even if you subscribe to something like we have Spotify premium and, while you could argue that, you know, oh, well, I pay for Spotify and they have the music there, so it's all good. Though Those artists that have their stuff on Spotify, you would not believe the crumbs and pennies that they receive for thousands upon thousands of listens and or downloads of their music. I think it would really make your head spin. Uh, it's one of the major reasons why every time that I go to a show, I try to you know, pick up physical copies yes. of the music. I love vinyl. I love having records. I love throwing a record onto the record player and rocking out and whatnot. We just went to go and see uh, my friend Brad and I. Uh, my friend Rachel came through with Black Mountain over at the London Music Hall the other night. And so I was supposed to be on the guest list, and something happened at the front door, and my name wasn't there. And so happily, no problem, paid 25 bucks to get oh. in. And but later after the performance, Rachel came down off the stage. She came out to hang out, and one thing got to another, and she found out that I ended up having to pay to get in. She was not having it, <laughs> and she <laughs> kind of raised hell, uh, you know, in my honor. In there, yeah. And I was I was you know a little embarrassed, very flattered. It was a very sweet thing for her to do, completely unnecessary. But she basically you know goes around to about five people and comes back with twenty five dollars. And she's like, here. She's like, you don't pay to come to my shows. She's like, you never pay to come to my shows. That is a rule. And she's like, here's your money. I'm like, all right. First of all, you're very sweet. Second of all, you did not have to do that. Third of all, we're going to take the money that you just got back for me. And we're going to go over to the merch booth. And we're going we're gonna to buy some records. So I ended up buying Destroyer, uh, their new album. And I bought a t-shirt. And I bought a record from the opening band as well, who was absolutely mind-blowing. It was Riley Walker. 45 minutes of awesome, particularly the drumming. I, I was so glad that we caught that band. Uh sometimes opening bands are a little shady, but this was this was a gem. Really, really had a good time at that show. But yeah, like, you know, you you gotta support the things that you like. And I know that life is hard and bills suck and You're, you know, getting hit from this, that, and the other thing. Every other day, something's coming in the mail. Or you have a new voicemail of somebody that wants something from you as well. But, like, figure out your budget. Figure out what you love and what you love to keep up with. And then budget for those things. Don't take the money and and the opportunity to create more of what you like away from these artists and these creators. It's just, it's completely counterintuitive to the idea of loving comics. If you do that, the more you do that, the less of a good thing that you love, you get back. So do the math.
2: Very much. So. There's, yeah. um, there's, there's a few creators who've really been jumping on this. Donny Cates is one of them. Um, mm-hmm. Somebody basically sent a message saying not everyone in the world has access to comic books. I have mutuals who have no comic book shop remotely close to them and shipping charges are extremely high. So someone put, well, there's always the option of online stores like Comixology. And this guy put, some of us are poor. So Donny Cates replied, oh, okay, so stealing is totally fine then. To which some person, that's not the word I was going to use for him. Hey, but yeah, Robin Hood, right? The majors went digital to save production costs and then still raised prices. Why should we cry for them? You get paid to do what you love. Shouldn't that be enough? And it's uh, like... <laughs> so you know, just, if how how can you miss rates. the point? How can you miss yeah. the point so much about what these creators are saying? Just, it, yeah. I've been spitting feathers for a lot reading this. Um, and uh, poor poor Ted Brad he's just been retweeted by Neil Gaiman so his notifications are going to be going all over the place but if you can't afford to buy a book go to a library libraries have books libraries can get books in for you ask someone to loan you a book I lend people books all the time I normally get them back I don't always get them back but you know most of the time so i've kind of hijacked my own lightning round here no so, you there's um. no
1: lightning rounds
2: today but, <laughs> and this is this is important because the thing of it is when you
1: you go to the message boards the ones that were made and look at comments on twitter and and so on people mm. and it not just me complaining about events and interlocking books and having to buy 37 comics from, from a big two thing to, to get a story that's not going to end seemingly forever or is going to be overturned next time around. Yet Those are the books that are selling. So the same people that are complaining are, are spending money, wasting money on something they don't even like, where that money could be better spent on trying something different. Seeing that, for instance, as we talked about last week, the Catalyst Prime Seven Days, there's superheroes I don't even know and I'm totally engaged in. There are other books in your wheelhouse from other creators from smaller companies, whether it's Valiant or Catalyst or Boom, Dynamite, Dark Horse, whatever. Go buy some Hellboy. Go buy Crowded. Go buy Pretty Deadly. Go buy something wonderful that You'll find what works for you that isn't something that you're supposed to like that you hate anyway, and you're just throwing money down the drain because if you're complaining afterwards, what was the point? You knew going in you weren't going to like it. I I hate to tell you this, guys. I don't buy books I don't like. <laughs> I I just don't you're have crazy, extra money. Bob, I crazy. know, right? But there were things to to to, to find. From Whether it's we give you a recommendation, the person in your local comic shop, someone says to you, you know, if you you want to try something different that will hook you from the first couple of pages, try so-and-so. If you like superheroes, if you like science fiction or horror or slice of life, there are books out there and they, they need your help. Comics creators in the golden era, not even the golden age or the silver age where it was all... Very different. But once there were royalty programs and such, we're starting to move into the 80s, the beginning of the collector's market that would blow up 10 years later. But still, when books such as X-Men and Fantastic Four were selling a half a million copies a year, there were creators pulling down six-figure salaries for doing a book. You add inflation to that, that is probably $200,000 a year to be a comic book creator of note, granted. Mm. But still, if, the, if the, the biggest books now are selling 100, they're selling a quarter as much. The middle of the sales chart now is fifteen, twenty thousand 20,000 books. There are lots more people who are loving these books that can't get at them because stores don't have them, can't find them. Steal them off the internet. We're, the the readers are out there. Guys, buy the real books. Wait, even if you're trade waiting, it, at some level, I'm, Peter David got into some Dutch about, oh, people trade waiting and it killed the sales of the floppies, and then the books don't get renewed long enough to have a second trade. It happened to our friend Jeremy Whitley more than once now. At a certain level, buy a couple of monthlies try something out I, I we're imploring you today buy real books buy different books try stuff i mean I,
2: I i am that weirdo that can often be found in my local comic shop that will give you recommendations often even if you don't want them
1: <laughs> uh, amen I will
2: i will help but you know i just i don't work in the shop i hang around there a lot people kind of get to know you after a while and i've been in there before and and people have gone oh i really like this i'm like well what about this book try this other book don't you know don't just stick with that one big two books that's going to get cancelled why don't you give something independent a try um and Mm -hmm. it works there's books out there and you don't have to buy every single book that comes out and i know that On this show, we all joke about the ridiculous amount of money that we spend on books, and I was saying earlier that I'm living on 22 pence noodles, but that's my choice. I'm doing that so that I can support these creators. I spent money that I probably shouldn't have done buying artwork from people because they deserve deserve the credit for creating that art. They deserve to have it known that I appreciate their art. And, you know... (sighs) write reviews on on websites if you like books give give people amazon reviews it helps books it sounds ridiculous yeah. but retweet an author's work or or an artist's work you know get get them a bit of notice on social media even if you can't afford to buy the book until it comes out in trade or you're waiting for your library to get it it will help their art
1: and, and at a personal level when you make a recommendation to someone and they pick up what you suggest and you hear back how much they loved it it puts a special glow on your heart you know Mm-hmm.
0: you hurry here folks buy our books or we'll
1: beat you up <laughs> <laughs> but look, if, 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 here's the thing if you're a casual comic book reader buyer mm-hmm. well first of all you're probably not listening to this but anyway Granted, go buy your Green Lantern or Superman, Batman, Avengers, whatever you buy, and great. I'm, I'm not disparaging that whatsoever. But for those people with large pull lists that get centered on one thing or another and the way they experiment with other books is to swipe them, not so good. Not so good. There's there's a, there's a better way to spread that money around that will make for a healthier industry. This is some ways related to the whole Scorsese argument from a couple of weeks ago. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not no, going no, down no, there, no. but it, <laughs> but it is it is about independent smaller films versus megacorporations' output. Yeah. and I mean, even those Marvel books don't survive. No. You know? Like, because look at they, what happened to Future Foundation. They're pushed down the list by all the top-heavy things that people... I... It sounds like a a, a revival meeting or something. I was part of that. I was part of one of those sinners where I bought books I didn't read, didn't like, because I needed to have complete runs. I needed to buy this because I always bought this. What broke me of that habit was Marvel hiring all the image guys for the Heroes Reborn stuff they did when they had all the image folks come over and redo all their books the Rob Liefeld Captain America, where his chest stuck out so far he could play Pinochle on it. It, 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 was, it was an epiphany. It was, I'm not going to buy that. That's awful. And then mm-hmm. it turned into, okay, that I could start buying, I st- r- love Dave Stevens' Rocketeer, and that turned into I should buy these science fiction books and these horror books. And then once we started this show mind blown by all my various co-hosts and the comics world is different and it's still different but we need to tend that garden speaking of swiping uh
0: the week that mooncakes came out i knew that there would be a copy at my local comic shop so they opened at 10 o'clock i got there at like 10 04 and i pushed the door open and i can see it I could see it through the door through the glass and I'm like oh yeah gonna go get my moon cakes <laughs> as I'm walking up to it one of the like one of the regular she also works there uh, who we, we have very similar tastes when it comes to comics I see her just kind of like just arrive from out of nowhere like a ghost and she bends down and she goes to go and pick it up I was like no <laughs> And she just puts it into her pile and I went. Ah! I should have pre-ordered anyway.
1: <laughs> That's another uh, thing we we've talked about in the past. Yes, give uh, your,
0: pre-ordering give your, yeah. is a good idea. I don't know that I would pre-order so many books, though, Bob. Sometimes you get stuck picking up things that you don't necessarily enjoy. Do you always do you always put in so many comics, or do you try to like sometimes do them like one by one to see if you're enjoying it?
1: Well, because the way pre-ordering works on single issues, you're pre-ordering three of them because oh, you can't see the first one until. So it's about creators on some smaller titles that I'm not willing to gamble on. I will pick the first one up off the shelf and then pre-order it. I, I mostly use two shops with Long Island Comics, where I've been going for nearly 40 years, mm-hmm. and Androids. And he has lots of indies on the shelf, new comic book day. So on something I'm not certain of, I know he'll have it. I can then buy it and add it to my pull list because he always has extras coming in. But on someone I know and trust, it's, oh, I'll just pre-order that. And, but then I'm three out. And sometimes, as with Metal Men this week, maybe I made a mistake. I don't know. We'll I'll find out one more issue in and, and go from there. But... Trust the store. See whose taste is like yours. Whether it is someone behind the counter or as Sarah suggests, someone on the other side, who might be someone you can turn to. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. It is tough because books are not cheap, and that is certainly yes. a problem. But you can you can gauge your own pull list and the cost of it. I I do index cards. I actually. I know, for instance, that December eighteenth is a big problem. Oh I, yeah, oh yeah. Everyone's dumping everything because the next new comic book day would be Christmas. There's nothing coming out. Oh right. It's oh, two weeks worth of books, and some things, DC in particular, has pushed into that week. So it's almost three weeks worth of books.
2: Oh no! Yikes!
1: Yeah. So oh, yeah. Bum you, bum right. So you have if, if you can look ahead whether using websites previews world, you can actually look. Uh, there are a number of others. If you Google them, I will not give anyone any extra notice because I don't know whose computer might get a virus It's not going to be on me, but it, it's important to be able to look at the story, the creator, the sample artwork, find a story. It shouldn't be this hard. I know you should be able to just walk into the spinner rack and pull something off. It's Stores aren't like them more, there are no returns. Stores are mm. working on no margins, as are these creators. So we need to help both of them out. Pre-ordering, talking about books, talking to people about books, buying books. Yeah, picking up your, your order. Picking up your full list well. is good. Yeah.
0: All right. I think that we've uh, we've beaten everybody up about this <laughs> enough for, for one podcast.
2: You want to but talk about a still... comic?
0: Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about Deadpool.
2: Woohoo! Hey, hey, hey. Spoiler alert. So, Deadpool number one came out this week. And I said that I would take this on as um, the shared book. And then I wrote out the creative team and went, man, that is the longest creative team in the world. So, I, I can help you with that. Strap in, folks. <laughs> I'm going to read the creative team on Deadpool okay. number one. We have Kelly Thompson, Chris Butchelow, Wayne Focher, Tim Townsend, Jamie Mendoza, Livesey, Victor Olazaba, David Curiel, and VCs Joe Sabino. That is a whole lot of people on one book. Mm -hmm. Um, So the blurb on the back says, Chosen to take part in a top secret government program, Wade Wilson was bestowed with the ability to heal from any wound he became a mercenary then for a while he tried to be a hero It well it went pretty badly so badly that wade decided to go back to being a classic chaos agent the merc with the mouth the regenerating degenerate known as deadpool now this is a kelly thompson book and it is no surprise to anyone that i am a big fan of kelly thompson um She came and talked to us on Ladies of Valhalla. I've talked a lot about her books in the past. She writes very, very funny books. And at the moment, she seems to be writing all of the books. Um, We mentioned earlier on Captain Marvel. She also did West Coast Avengers. She's doing Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Um, I tried to write down a summation of this book that didn't give too much away. And I found it incredibly difficult because there is just so much to this book um we start off with deadpool's birthday we have a bit about his birthday we go to staten island where he has to face uh the king of the monsters um and the shall we say consequences of fighting the king of the monsters we get cameos from other characters coming in and bringing in whole new weird storylines to do with adoption um and books getting cancelled there's a lot of fourth wall breaking but the thing that struck me most about this book is that it made me laugh and it made me laugh a lot I have not picked up a Deadpool book in a very long time because he's one of those characters that can just get a bit overdone and you know you can look at the new releases and you go oh, there's 15 Deadpool books coming out now um But the one thing that I have to say about this book is that Kelly Thompson is very, very funny. And the number of times that I laughed out loud, um, I lost count, basically. Thompson totally gets to the core of the character. There's old-fashioned humour. There's corny jokes. One of the panels says, it feels like a lifetime ago. A simpler time, really. It was yesterday. And that's, that's the kind of stupid joke that you get um and there's there is a bit of fourth wall breaking and there's some references to other characters including one joke that i was like how are they getting away with making that reference to spider-man and then i was like oh yeah it's a deadpool book um <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, just genuinely i read it and i was like they can't put that in a co- oh no wait um but the thing that really really struck me with the book is that the team are so obviously having fun They are all clearly Enjoying themselves with this book With um, the art And with the writing Everything about this book Is just fun Steve what did you think? Okay <laughs> Okay
0: <laughs> Okay I agree With everything you've just said I know, isn't it nice when that happens? Yeah! I will also add something, though.
2: <gasps> <gasps>
0: I found this book to be sad. Yeah. I thought that there there was a kind of a, an overwhelming sadness to this Deadpool book in that he is very much uh, alone when all of this stuff happens, and the book literally begins with him being pulled in half and torn and torn in two. And I just, I can't help but feel like the, some of the actions and some of the things going on in the book are reflective of where he is emotionally. Yeah, I, I, I really dug it. I was a little bit, I had to, it's one of those ones where that I had to read it twice to really kind of figure out where I where I landed on it. It was very entertaining, very funny at times. There are a lot of really fun references to other things. You were talking about jokes about uh, Spider-Man and other characters and such. There's a really sweet Willy Wonka reference in this book, and if I'm not mistaken, and I'm pretty sure I'm not, there is a hard Final Fantasy nod in this book coming from one of our main characters.
2: Yeah, in this issue. I was, I was getting um, a definite. Dark Crystal, Final Fantasy crossover kind of vibe from that character.
0: Bellus is a yellow chocobo through and through.
2: 100%.
0: Yeah, like, if a chocobo was going to be, you know, a butler of sorts, or a a chamberlain, rather, uh, that's what I thought of the entire time that I was reading this. And I really liked that character. And again, I will say, this book is sad. Uh, But it's sad, it's funny, it's emotional... All the things. My favorite Deadpool that I've ever read was for the uncanny X-Force stuff, Rick Remender, and kind of the role that Wade played in that story. It was far more serious than I've seen him before. He, he makes a couple of sacrifices that are both out of character and totally within character for him. And uh, so it's some of my favorite Deadpool ever. And I can feel some of that weight and some of that seriousness coming off of Kelly Thompson's Deadpool as ridiculous as this book is. And as, as sarcastic as he is and jokey as he is at times, uh, it's got like, he's got like a sad clown thing going on yeah. here. And so that gives the character substance and, it, and, and, you know, she talks a lot about in, uh, Kelly, in the, the back of the book about how Deadpool has been, done to death by so many creators he's had so many books and so many people have relaunched the character that's very difficult to come up with something new and interesting for him to do and so she said you know i love monsters why not put them into the story and see what we get and like i don't know where this puts the character going forward but it's certainly an interesting beginning to, to what I hope to be a, a cool chapter of his history. Because the Botulo art, I've loved him for a very, very long time. I think since we first started this podcast and I was made aware of his art. Uh, it, could, it can be a little confusing to know where we are at times, particularly when we're really close up to the action. But once I find my uh, my North Star in those panels... <laughs> And and I kind of take a step back and look at it. It's really gorgeous and really uh, just visceral and and mean. And I love it so much. Yeah. This is exciting. I I haven't been this excited about a Deadpool book. I enjoyed the Scotty Young stuff was really good for a little while. I kind of uh, tapered off on that a little bit, uh, a couple of issues in. But uh, other than Gail Simone... It's rare that I find somebody that, that writes Deadpool that I really, really gel with the character, and so far I think that Kelly is doing something uh, really interesting and, and and different, at least from my experience, with the character, and I'm looking forward to reading more of it.
1: Mm. Bob, what did you uh, think? Well, as a matter of full disclosure, I'm not much of a Wade Wilson fan. I have to say I've tried to I don't know, dip my toe into the Deadpool. Sorry couple of times never great now i'm struggling
0: for the title for this episode
1: never uh, i never felt the urge to carry on except here kelly thompson's take felt to me as if she had blended hellboy and bugs bunny (laughs) <laughs> you you've got all the monster stuff but you've got that sadness you're talking about there's depth but still tons of sassy snarky marxian groucho marx meaning sort of humor and this art by chris bocciolo it, it, it's crazy in the absolutely best way the way his art worked on jason aaron and his run on doctor strange oh yeah where it's I don't know where I am quite yet, but, oh, wait a minute. I'm going to come around this corner, and here's the refrigerator with all the tentacles coming out of it. When this giant monster is eating the Staten Island Ferry. And it's just sort of normal, you know, Wade sitting on the dock, looking out and seeing what's going on. I'm, I love this book. I've already read it three or four times. Keep finding new little bits and pieces. The guest stars who were not spoiling, I screamed. (laughs) Love love both both perfectly situated actually we have three wonderful little little guests mm-hmm. guest appearances two rather meta that work perfectly particularly when they go to buy ice cream so I was,
0: I was particularly i was a little blown away by how much logic there was to introducing that character to this book and the way that it was presented yeah like, <laughs> this character needs to be genius. here because of x y and See? z i'm like yeah it kind of does yeah. Sniff, sniff sniff
2: i i yeah. honestly I thought that was a stroke of genius the the first the first character that we get I don't really have any experience with that character, so I didn't really um know anything about them but i t- i love them already just from what we've had of them, and then that final page reveal yes. and what happens to oh. redacted when redacted is there I was like oh, what are you doing to me um <laughs> but there's yeah it just it, i don't know what i was expecting but when you said steve about the kind of the sad clown thing there's there's moments where you just sort of see little bits of wade's face when he pulls the mask up yeah and you just you you do you feel sorry for him and it's heartbreaking seeing it but then mm. then you get the other side of it which is which is like when he's talking about being made to look stupid in front of captain america and he's yes. like, I don't care for looking like an idiot in front of Cap. It happens all the time, but I do not care for it. And I was just cracked up. Um, and it's just, it's it's the heart and the humour and the, the decent plot that it's got. I honestly, when I read that it was Deadpool versus King of the Monsters, I was like, oh, it's just going to be Wade running around killing stuff, getting Slicing killed. Slicing and
1: dicing, yes.
2: Yeah, but so much more, so much more. And I should have known that because it's Kelly Thompson.
0: And Thompson we trust. Indeed. <laughs> Amen. That's awful. It's true, <laughs> but it's awful. Uh, yeah, good times. Good times with the Deadpool. Uh, thumbs up all around, I would say. I really liked the, I mean, I've already talked about the art, but also the, the particularly the color work in like, the flashback sequences, how mm. they're all uh, mostly in black and white with the exception of the reds. Mm. And then uh, and then, of course, all the vibrant colors come in for the present day stuff. Yeah, just uh, very cleverly presented and uh, a way to a way to really come out swinging and and making it feel like something new for the character. Uh, I've said this a lot this podcast, but I'm I'm very excited to continue reading the books that I'm reading right now. It's uh, I have I'm, I'm in a nice, comfy spot with a lot of my my favorite books and creators. It's been a hell of a year.
2: Yeah, it has.
0: It has. All right. I think that's all we've got book-wise. That was a lot of books. Yeah. That was a lot of books. A lot of fun books. Yeah. Uh, there's not really any news, or at least not any any happy news, so we'll skip that. <laughs> uh, we uh, we talked about your your Thought Bubble adventures, so that took care of a listener question we had from last week. And I think, believe it or not, it might be time to talk about what we're looking forward to this week. Ooh. Yeah, um, I'm actually going to start because I think that you'll be startled by the amount of books that I'm picking up. And I'm probably missing a few titles, so you all can help me out.
2: Oh, I have a shocking number of books this week. Frankly, shocking. All
0: All right, here we go. This is my list. Valkyrie, Jane Foster, number five. X-Force, number two. And
2: and that's it. (laughs) What happened? Would would you like to hear what I'm picking up this week? I would,
0: because I obviously missed uh, a bunch of stuff, so please.
2: No, no, you should have listened to the sarcasm in the Frankly Shocking. (laughs) I will be picking up Machine Gun Wizards number four, formerly Tommy Gun Wizards. there we go. I will be picking up The Plot number three, because oh, that see? book is as creepy as all heck. And I'll be picking up John Constantine Hellblazer number one, because Cy Spurrier.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, see, this is why I wanted to hear about more books, I obviously miss these.
2: Yeah, so you've got Christian oh, Warden, Sammy Cavella. <laughs> you've got Christian Ward and Sammy Cavella on Machine Gun Wizards. You've got Michael actually Tim Daniel and Joshua Hickson on the plot. And then you've got Cy Spurrier and Aaron Campbell on John Constantine Hellblazer. I'm like, okay, it's only three books, but those are books with pedigree.
1: Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah for sure. Uh, Bob, what do you got? Not much more than you folks, honestly. Jane Foster, Valkyrie, yes. Betty Page Unbound, number six. We are coming to the... We're finally going to know, since Einstein's going to explain it all, what's been going on. <laughs> Invisible Woman, number five. The finale of the Mark Wade miniseries has been so much fun. And... Fantastic Four Grand Design Number 2, set, the finale of that, and Fantastic Four Negative Zone Number 1, one-shot, part of some event that I'm not going to buy, but I will buy that one. That's it. That is the entirety of my pull list. So it's Christmas shopping this week. For instance, All that right. Sabrina the Teenage Witch trade paperback just came out. That needs to be purchased for somebody, for instance.
2: Yeah, it's, for sure. It's very, very... Yeah, see, unfortunately, I've said that I'm only getting those three books, but I did also um Get reminded by my LCS that I've ordered in the second hardback giant deluxe edition of I Hate Fairyland, and apparently that's coming in this week. So, oh, sorry, yeah, food ca- money.
0: I and I bought that a few, uh, about maybe like a month ago.
2: Yeah, I stupidly mentioned it a couple of weeks back, and I was like, did that ever come out? And he's like, Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll put an order in for you. I was like, Oh, oh hey. thanks. Thanks, thanks I got to
0: eventually pick up the, uh, fourth library edition of Harrow County. I know it's out there somewhere and I've yet to pick it up. We have all three of the other ones.
2: I'm trying to pretend that the second library edition of Umbrella Academy isn't coming into my local shop this week because they very, very kindly, as a gift for my birthday, gave me the first library edition. Uh, Like, The the staff together paid for it for me. I spend a lot of time in my local shop. So the staff bought me Volume 1 for my birthday and I'm like, oh man, Volume 2 comes out this week
0: that's really nice though of them to do that. it
2: was and i um i write a new releases post which is now going up on the ladies of valhalla website and i we have actually put in there this would make an amazing christmas present for someone for example me <laughs> cough <laughs> hint hint
0: <laughs> seriously all right does anybody have any closing statements before we get out of here yes actually
1: okay with american thanksgiving upon us Make sure that the people who are dear to you know the special place they hold in your life. Think of it as sh- sharing that emotion could bring some much needed warmth to the heart of someone who's struggling. So, to my many co hosts, past and present, and to all of you out there in radio land, thanks for making my third act so memorable.
0: Oh my God, Bob! What the hell? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I I would just like to say that this represents the I believe it's the third anniversary of my first appearance on Talking Comics.
1: Oh, happy anniversary.
2: Because my first oh. appearance was a Thanksgiving weekend, and on my first appearance I made Bob Cry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, you did.
2: Um so that was yeah, that was that was a thing that I did.
0: <laughs> oh Bob, we are very honored to uh to be sharing all of this time with you of course it is uh it has been very 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 special and uh will continue to be for the foreseeable future yes thank, thank you all Yay, more shows Woo, more comics buddy. bye bye but it's all in good fun we hope that you had fun as well uh talking comics awards are coming up get hyped I know we are busting out the lists. Lock it Uh, in. I said this is like we have one more regular episode to go until we record. I think we have two episodes to go before people start hearing those uh, deliberation shows. We'll figure it out. We'll let you know what the schedule is. Uh, Like always, we record a huge session and then we split them up and we portion out those shows throughout the month of December into January so that we have time to kind of spend, you know, reading
1: holidays with family,
0: <laughs> <Reading>. read everybody's <laughs> nominations and all that stuff, uh, drink, whatever. And uh, yeah, so that's all coming up. It'll be a lot of fun. And Sarah, just real quick, what do you have coming up for Ladies of Valhalla uh, next time around?
2: Uh, next time out, we are going to be looking at the entirety of Giant Days. Uh-huh. Um, we'll be recording that on the 7th of December. So I know that we've had a couple of listener questions in already. Um, so by all means, please get in touch on social media at Valhalla Ladies or email ladiesofvalhalla at gmail.com. I will also just say on the Ladies of Valhalla Twitter we are running three polls at the moment to find out who um, everybody thinks each of us presenters are most like. Oh, and, you
1: stole my listener question.
2: And, well, no, <laughs> because you, you need to give us your opinion, Bob, because it is not as cut and dried as you might think. Um, there is there is a lot of split opinion going on there as to who each of us is the most like. So um, that's running until Saturday. So please do vote on that and please do get in touch and give us even more to talk about for giant days as if we don't already have enough. That is going to be a (laughs) mammoth recording weekend. We're recording giant days on the Saturday and we're recording the talking comics awards on the Sunday. (laughs) So that is, that is going to be a thing and giant days. Um, is going to be released on Friday the thirteenth of December. Perfect. Ooh. A portentous date, if ever there was one.
1: Now, d- dun, dun, dun. just just to throw it in there, have you finished your Giant Days read?
2: No, still haven't managed to okay. read that last one. Oh, haven't, okay. Haven't haven't uh, right. brought myself to the point yet. I'm not I'm not there yet. I'm not mentally ready. It's been it's been a very stressful and emotional few weeks since I was last on the show. Um, I started a new job. I lost a family member. Oh. I didn't get murdered on the way to Thought Bubble. It's been a whole thing. So I'm like, I'll get there next weekend. Next weekend will be my weekend. I will finish Giant Days and I will cry my little eyes out.
1: Speaking of crying your little eyes out, Squirrel Girl 50, yes or no? Yet.
2: Yeah. Not yet. Not yet. Come on, oh, Bob. I'm, Come uh, on. There's already <laughs> There's only so much emotion a gal can tell me. <laughs> There's
0: only so many tears in my face.
2: I have to rehydrate sometimes. <laughs> um, but no, that's um, that's that's on the list. I'm doing a lot of weekend work for my job at the moment, which means that I am building up a lot of flexi time, which means I will be taking a couple of days off. And the nice. entire plan for those days is to sit at home and read books. <laughs> Cause As just, it should be. Yeah, Yeah, just leaning into that nerd life
0: all right we all good yeah.
2: we good we're
0: good we're good this has been amazing we've reached the end of this week's edition of the talking comics podcast as always you can send us your comments or questions through our email podcast at talking dot we are also on the twitter at talking comics don't forget to check out talking comic books.com for reviews from our fantastic contributors and don't forget to listen to Talking Valiant, D&D Adventure, and of course, the Ladies
1: of Valhalla Podcasts. Bob, where can our listeners find you? Old-fashioned email, bobryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. Sarah?
2: Hi, you can find me everywhere that media is social, at Geek Lady.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: Joey is at Joey Brachino on the Twitter and the Instagram, and Jessica is at Jarska for all the things. And Bronwyn is at shinybabybee on Twitter and Instagram as well. Uh, I am at dead underscore anchoress on the internet. You can find me at all the the things and the places and the people and the whatnot. (laughs) I lost the thread of what I was going to say. So for Bob. Thank you, everybody. And for Sarah.
2: Happy Tacky Day.
0: Aww. Uh, Enjoy your holiday everybody thank you to joey thank you to sarah thank you to bob and thank you to all of you for being here whether you're here every week whether you pop in every now and again whatever it's all good we love you we appreciate you thank you so much thank you for listening (laughs) until next time on the talking comics podcast to be continued what's frosted uh wheat then
1: was that like crushed up crane, bugs? crane flies with icing
2: Ooh. yeah <laughs> sugar on top yeah, yeah.
1: gross